you. Thank you. Man, it's, it's so, it's still, it's weird. Like I hear someone talking and I, I, I just think even coming up here and speaking, you know how you can do something so many times and yet it's still weird to you. Like, this is weird. I'm going to go up and I'm going to talk to people because, man, I'm such a simple person. Like there's nothing extravagant. I'm not brilliant. The next guy is. He's an attorney. I, I'm just like this guy. I wasn't like the brilliant kid. I was kind of like the like the dumb Asian, like that one weird one, you know, and everyone would be like, wow, you only 3.8, you know, like, I know, I'm an idiot, you know, and so that was me my whole life, you know, and I, I fell, fell in love with God in high school, and, and, and things just start happening, you know, I, I feel like God wanted me to be a pastor, but I was so bugged by so many things in the church, because I'm like, wait, it seems so simple. Like, you just read something and you go do it. You know, and I remember first time I came back from Africa in Uganda, I was blown away. I was so floored at what the people were eating. You know, there in Uganda, these people just malnourished, kids digging out of the trash. I remember just coming home and looking at my wife, you know. We only had a couple kids at that time, and, and uh, we got five now, but we, you know, at that time we only had two, and I, and I just want to go, honey, man, I saw these kids, man, they're trying to get food out of the trash, you know, they're they're in like dumps just trying to eat stuff, and I, and I, well, I pictured our two little girls, Rachel and Mercy, like, like, what would I want someone to do if that was them? I mean, doesn't the Bible say do to others like, like you, well, however it says, you know, just you, you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself, and I just kept thinking, what would I do, what would I want someone to do for my kids, and I just remember looking at her, and I'm just going, honey, I'm looking at our house, and nothing extravagant, but I can't even live here anymore, like, it's, it's really eating away at me, like, why are we more important than them, let's do something, and she's like, sell the house, I go, yeah, is that all right, <laughs> she's like, Sure, you know, I mean, amazing woman, you know, who, yeah, seriously, no, she doesn't mess around. She goes, if you're serious, then let's go. I'm like, right now? She goes, yeah, and we're looking at trailer parks that afternoon. Like, that's, that's an amazing woman. You know, but me, it's just like, I get so fired up when, uh, when I first met David Batstone, we're at this conference. I, I'd, I'd never heard, that was the first time I'd heard the term human trafficking. I, I, I'm embarrassed to say that. It was several years ago. I didn't hear the term. But then when he explained it, I'm, I'm like, that, I, I, if, if I'm honest, I don't even like the name human trafficking. It doesn't do it justice. I always say, no, this is about little kids being raped and used as sex slaves. That's what we're talking about. Let's not try to pretty it up and say, oh, yeah, I'm stuck in traffic. Oh, human trafficking. You know, it's... It's like, no, when we're talking about kids, you know, I mean, after I talk to him, I mean, this just this is who I am. I hear something, and I'm at night, you, you know, at that conference. I'm, I'm on, my, on my bed. I couldn't sleep for hours hearing the I, I just start crying. I'm just crying because I've got four girls, and, then, and I'm picturing, what, what if one of them, you know, my mind went there that night. My mind just said, okay, what if one of my girls was taken, and you just start milling around, man, I would do everything. I would do everything in my power to get to that. And I just felt like God was speaking to me going, okay, well, you got to start treating all these girls like your daughters. I'm like, what? And I remember I, I was a pastor at the time going back to my church, looking at everyone, just like when I came back from Africa. I'm like, man, do you know how these kids are eating? Sell everything. You know, let's go. Let's care for them. 
I came back from that time with David, and I'm going, you guys, I started thinking, what would I do, you know, if, if, if one of my kids was taken and being used in that way? Would I come up here and say, everyone open your Bibles to Luke chapter 3. Let's read these three verses. Let's pray. Let's go home. Let's sing four songs and feel good. I go, no way. And I told him I'd come up here and I'd be kicking the podium, swearing at you, you know, seriously. I told him, I would be laying into you going, man, some of you guys have influence and you know what, you can find my daughter one way or another. You used everything you got. There's no way on earth I would come up here and just give you a nice little sermon when my kid is being taken and being raped right now. I'd be consumed with it. And I go, we as a church, we got to start getting consumed by this. You know? But it's like, man, that's, this is all I do. It's just like, man, I hear something. I, I was speaking at a, at a conference. So funny. I was speaking this, at this conference for Major League Baseball players. You know, you're not the brightest people. But I, I, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I was at this conference, right? And one of the guys, this guy who was a pitcher, it wasn't Jeremy, another guy, comes up. And he goes, he, he looks at me, he goes, I think I could do what you do. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I think I could hit your fastball. You know, but he, he's like, he goes, he goes, man, sometimes I hear you speak, and everyone's like, oh, listen to Francis Chan, listen to Francis Chan. He, he goes, I listen to you, and I'm like, did you guys notice what he did? All he did was read a passage and then go, uh, guys, go do it. He goes, that's all you do. And I go, I know, they pay me to do it. It's like, it's, it's weird. It's like so simple. You, you know, like I, I was, you know, my, my guys, you know, because I'm doing ministry in the Tenderloin in San Francisco now. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just praying, like, what do we do this Sunday? Because we don't just do services. I go, you know what? I, I've done enough services. You know, let's just, I'll, I'll teach a little bit, sing a little bit, but let's get on the streets and do something. Let's help these addicts. Let's knock on their doors, see if they need anything. And yeah, so our work. Our church is, you know, Sunday afternoons, we get together at 2. I'll speak for maybe 10 minutes. Um, we'll sing for maybe 10 minutes. And then we'll hit the streets for like an hour and a half, two hours, and we come back and we just share stories of what God did. And it's such a blast, such an amazing thing. And, 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 and I, I just remember one week they're like, hey, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, Luke 14 says, you know, when you give a banquet, don't just invite your friends. Invite people who can't pay you back. I go, I've never done that. Jesus told us to do that. I go, let's just do a banquet for people who can't pay us back. And they're like, that's a brilliant idea. I'm like, well, that's all it says is give a banquet, do it. I go, let's just, why don't we just start obeying this book? And I'm telling you, the rush, the life, the joy. I mean, you guys know we're not doing this because like, oh, man, I got to go help people. It's like, it's the joy. Man, my church came to life when we started looking at the rest of the world. When I talked to them about Africa and people start selling stuff and giving it away, no one was bummed out. The whole place, man, they would just stand up. They would cheer. I'd come back, show pictures of schools that we built. The place would just go nuts. It was the most exciting time in the life of my church. Man, 
It's the joy. It's the joy. And I just, real quickly, a thing that, that, that God put on my heart to share with you was, a, was a 1 John 3. Well, you know, everyone holds up John 3, 16. But, you know, we, we always put verses we like. And, uh, and, but do you know 1 John 3, 16? 1 John 3, 16 says this. It says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let's not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. I love that passage. You know, here's what it says. It's saying, Francis, it's not like you're such a loving guy. He goes, this is how you know love. You saw, you had an example. Okay, the example is this, and I know not everyone here is Christian, but let me just explain why I do what I do. According to what this book teaches, that there's this, there's like, like God, we say the word God, like, oh, you know, God this, God that, blah, 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 church wherever, like such a common word, but you got to understand in the Bible when it talks about God, like they wouldn't even say God in the Old Testament. They would say Hashem, the name. They wouldn't say Yahweh. They go, the name. You know who I'm talking about because that name's too sacred. I'm not going to say it. it because the Bible describes him as, with this word called holy. You know, and the word holy means like he's different. He's set apart. When Moses said, God, can I see you? God says to Moses, no, you can't look at me. No human being can look at me and live. Like, like he's this distinct being. You know, Revelation describes a hundred million angels all at his throne, you know, and some of them are covering themselves up because he's just so far beyond them. Like when you say that word, God, it's like, that's who he is. That's what they refer to as Jesus in Revelation 5. I mean, literally, it says 10,000 times 10,000 angels all worshiping him. And what the Bible says is that Jesus left that. He empties himself because he sees it. Look, it, here's all these people that have offended God and should be punished. But what he does is he comes down, takes the form of a man. He lowers himself. That's why the Bible says, this is how you know what love is. You saw God do it. He took the form of a man, let people spit upon him, beat him, nail him to a cross. He was paying for their sins to rescue them, and then rose from the grave, ascended back into heaven. He goes, now you've got an example. He says, this is how you know how to live your life. He says, now do the same thing for other people. Just like when Jesus washed the disciples' feet and say, now wash mine. He goes, no, now do that to one another. Now go find the least of these. And when you do it for the least of these, you've done it for me. He goes, I'm going to return one day. I'm going to judge the world. And to those on my right, I'm going to say, hey, come on in. You, 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 you fed me when I was hungry. You gave me drink when I was thirsty. You gave me clothes when I was naked. I was being trafficked, and you found me, and you rescued me. That was the trait of a true believer. That's why he says, if you have the ability to help and you don't help, he says, how could the love of God be in you? How is that even possible? How could you call yourself a follower of Christ and you see someone in need and you do nothing for them? 
But Jesus' whole example, he goes, look at what I did. I saw you. You, were, you had done things that were offensive to God, and so I came and I rescued you. I died in your place. I sacrificed for you. So if you believe in me, man, I will save you. That's what he did, and that's our example. And if the love of Christ is in me, then I go out and I see people in need, and I naturally go, I've got to rescue them. I've got to do what I can. I don't think I... I look any more like Christ than when I'm rescuing someone because that's a picture he gave me. And he says, that's why we do what we do. Look, I don't want the attention. The reason why I do this is like, man, this is just a tiny glimpse of what God did for you. Tiny glimpse of Jesus. He is everything. Last thought, I got 28 seconds. Look, I, I know not everyone here is a Christian. But the whole point of what I do is when I see a need, I try to fill it. You know, if I see someone's street, I don't want to pass them by. If I see a, a gal who needs food, I'm going to try to get food to them. And in the same way, if I'm honest, I think, man, some of you don't even know what Jesus did on the cross. And I wanted to at least share with you what I believe because I believe we all need Jesus. And that, that's, that's my personal belief. But I would be a jerk if I just passed you by and, and just went to the need. I had to tell you, man, I... I I've done some terrible things in life, and caring for the poor, and this is not to make up for those things and do those good deeds. I'm doing this because Jesus rescued me from who I was, and that motivates me, and it gave me a picture of saying, you know what, now go do that for other people. And for some of you that, that may be here that don't, don't understand that, I couldn't just walk by you and not at least tell you why I do what I do and why I believe it with all my heart, and I've seen this God answer my prayers. And I just want to throw that out at you. I'm not trying to force anything on anyone. Just telling you, this is what compels me. It's not so everyone goes, oh, look what Francis does. He does such good things. I'm going, no, this is nothing. This is what God did for me, and I'm just doing a tiny glimpse of my best of imitating him and rescuing other people.